it makes me extremely angry that that man, had he diagnosed me or ordered just ordered that brain scan, we would have seen a lesion, if not two or more in my brain, and I would have been diagnosed. It altered my life irrevocably because of this man's decision that was callous. And and uh, what could I do now, right? It, it, it got to a, a very severe level before I finally got a diagnosis. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings. You're listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm Laura Kowalskowski, and I'm here today with Jenny Angus. Jenny, welcome. Thank you, Laura. I'm really, really honored to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and tell my story. I'm so glad you're willing to tell it because you have quite the story. And if you begin, could you maybe tell us what year you started thinking maybe something was wrong? And what was that that physically took you to the doctor saying, hey, something's going on with my body? What is this? I guess the easiest point is to start with the diagnosis date, which was January of 2014. And I was very, very, very sick and had lost a lot of functionality in the year leading up to that. So uh, that was 2013. I knew something was seriously wrong with me. And I had been in the ER about uh, three times that summer. And I'd had partial bowel obstructions. I'd gone in um, vomiting profusely with severe abdominal pain. And they said, oh, you know, you've got these issues in your bowel. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with all this severe pain that I've got emanating from my lower back and my left arm that's flying off like a, you know, like it's got a mind of its own and all these other things that were happening to my brain. And it just took a year before I really got the diagnosis. So that was... That was 2013, but prior to that, I had um, actually been misdiagnosed in 2004. So 10 years earlier, the exact same clinic I had been sent to because I had uh, multiple neurological issues and I had two MRIs actually um, of uh, my C-spine that showed lesions, MS lesions. And they uh, they sent me to the MS clinic at the, in the province that I'm in, which is British Columbia. And um, the doctor declined to order a brain scan um, and um, said I didn't have MS and sent me home. So the disease had 10 years to make its have its fun with my central nervous system. So that's why I got so bad. I can't tell you how angry that makes me to hear that you were dismissed and sent home. Did you feel dismissed from the doctor? Do you feel like it was like, okay, they know what they're talking about. So let me go home. Well, it, it was such bittersweet in a way because at a really young age, like in my teens, I had volunteered for an event where there was uh, other people, um, older people with MS and some other neurological diseases. And I, I had seen what MS does to people. And uh, I was horrified at the thought of my having that disease and that that happening to me because I was really, really into my sports and athletics and my artwork and um you know, like everybody, we have a full life and business and, and whatnot. And to lose that to the disease was, um, uh, 
you know, like sent shockwaves of, of like, like I was seriously fearful of that. So when he said I didn't have MS, I was absolutely like really thank gosh, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not, that's not going to happen to me. But at the same time, there was this, there was this, like, there's something really wrong with me. Like I shouldn't have these problems. And I still have the report uh, from that doctor. Like, so this dates back to, you know, where I have my first, first MRI in 2002 that showed the lesion and the, the neuroradiologist said, this girl needs a brain scan. Like you need to order a brain scan because it looks like she's got a demyelinating lesion. And then I had a second MRI two, two years later and the doctor completely ignored that. So I was thinking to myself, like there's still something wrong with me. Nobody has found out what it is and that nobody's ordered this brain scan, which I keep saying this neuro radiologist, not a radiologist, but a neuro radiologist, you know, had said that I needed. So I went away and, you know, in the back of my mind thinking there's still something going on. And, and then I had multiple relapses in the future and all of the times that I went to the doctors with these relapses, they're all sensory in origin, you know, like severe itching all over my body or like burning pain or like temperature, lack of temperature control, lack of feeling in my feet, buying the wrong size of ski boots and shoes because I couldn't feel my feet. But then having um, like severe frostbite type pain in my feet, like all these things were going on and I would go to the doctors and say, there's something really wrong with me. And they would, you know, send me off in the direction of um, a dermatologist or, you know, or endocrinologist or, or um, just tell me that I was all in my mind because I was stressed or uh, hormones. And so I was dismissed over and over and over again. So I began to think that, that well, well, there's really nothing wrong with me, but thinking everything is going wrong. So, yeah, it makes me, you know, in retrospect, Laura, it makes me extremely angry that that man had he diagnosed me or ordered just ordered that brain scan we would have seen a lesion if not two or more in my brain and I would have been diagnosed or at least even said yeah it's pretty obvious she's got clinically isolated like CIS um clinically um, isolated syndrome yeah syn syndrome and that I would have been watched and MRI'd and and anyway, he, it was it it altered my life irrevocably because of this man's decision that was callous and and uh, what can I do now? Right, it it, it yeah. got to a, a very severe level before I finally got my diagnosis. It really makes me angry to hear people discuss being dismissed because of stress or it's all in your head. Because even if it is stress or in your head, there's an appropriate medical referral to be done to help you learn to live with the stress or the psychiatric treatment if it's really in your head, which in, in your case, it wasn't. But I hear so many times, oh, just go away. It's in your head. And it's like, okay, but there's, that's not a treatment either. So anyway, that, that that's just my side comment there to that. So who eventually did diagnose you? What was it that caused someone to finally say, oh, maybe we should do a brain MRI and find this, M this MS smoldering there? Well, it was really strange because so June of 2013, um, I said to my doctor who happened to be an athlete as well. And she was, we, you know, we did, competitions together she was a professional I'm just a recreational one <laughs> and I said to her yeah there's something wrong with me and it's all from the neck down I need I need to see a neurologist and she kind of 
payment deposit, sure, I'll send the referral in. And, you know, in Canada, things take a really long time. And I started to think, well, I'm going to pay to have one, to see one privately. And then finally, I got the the referral and I went in to see this man October now. So that was June, four months later. And I brought my uh, reports, my MRI reports from 2004 and 2002. And he, his eyes widened and he did... He, you know, ordered everything like the brain and, and the full T-spine and C-spine with contrast without and everything. And and that was December. And that was like a emergency, like urgent sort of. And I got the I got the report and I um, um, in December and I, I, you know, you're not supposed to be diagnosed by someone who's not a neurologist. And I think the right. criteria is such that it has to be an MS neurologist, not even just a regular neurologist. So my guy said, you have to see an MS neurologist. And yeah, you've got lesions like all over your brain and your spinal cord. And I'd read the reports. I, I you know, I, I knew what it meant. And um, I'd just seen them before I went in. I like to see them before I see the doctor so that I have time to digest this information. And I, I had a panic attack when I read them. I, I've never had a panic attack in my life. And I, I, I had a panic attack. And so, yeah, he sent me to somebody who was not a good fit for me. About three weeks later, a lady, she's a great neurologist, but it wasn't a fit for me. And I, I needed treatment immediately. I was, I was rapidly declining in use of arms and legs. And I called the, I called the clinic back again. I said, I can't wait two months to see, to get treatment. I, I don't know how you treat someone, but I need, I need to get in like right now. And so they made a, an exception and got me to see the head of the, the the MS clinic within about 10 days and he flipped out and went, Oh my God, like, well, let's throw you on some steroids like right now. See if we can reverse some of this damage. Cause I think I was still walking, but I was really struggling to stand up and I couldn't feel from my waist down and my arms were gone and my brain, I couldn't answer the phone and answer emails. And within about five weeks of that diagnosis, it got, I, I think I'd had 11 infusions of steroids after that point within five weeks. And then I was hospitalized. We had lost full use of my arms and legs and I didn't come really back home for about six weeks after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I can't imagine, um, first of all, doing that many rounds of steroids is like bonkers, crazy what it does to the body and to the mind and to the emotions and throw that in on top of having learned that you have MS after having been suspected of it or maybe could have been diagnosed 10 years earlier. Um, this just had to have been such a storm for you to be going through. Um, and I'm really sorry it took you so long. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I get really frustrated when I hear people's stories that uh, that we get this dismissal or we get really a half-ass medical look at records. So are doctors taking the easy way out and not ordering one more test or spending time and listening to the person? And yeah. what are you what are you feeling today? How is this affecting your life? I think that's so every bit as important as what that MRI shows. So, well, for people, Jenny, that are perhaps thinking that they've got weird symptoms and they may have MS and they may be on this journey themselves looking for what's wrong with them. Do you have any advice that you would give, you know, these folks? 
I do because I think back to some of the symptoms that I experienced in university that we can now, um, you know, notice that they were precursors and uh, certainly and a very, very obvious um, one. So the thing is, is that when you're younger in your 20s and 30s, you haven't yet had a chance to meet a lot of people who have serious illness and disease. So you're not attuned to something being wrong health-wise in one of your friends or your family members or whatnot, right? It's generally when you get older, you're like, hey, man, that's not right. So, you know, my my first symptom was I was playing baseball for or softball for 10 years, and then I all of a sudden one day couldn't throw the ball anymore. And I, I played in, it was co-ed, and I could throw the ball like a perfect straight line. All of a sudden one day I couldn't. When something like that happens to somebody that you know, it's like, dude, that's not right. And you need to see a doctor. I don't know what it is, but if you, if you have, like, if you're, you're an athlete and you can do something like every, like a hundred times every game, like every week and for 10 years and you can't do that anymore, I don't know what it is, but you got to go see a doctor and promise me you're going to do that. Because in in that person's mind, you're just like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Like, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what. I don't know what I do with it. And, but like, right, right. You like don't exactly. You, you, you're tied. It. You're. I don't know. Maybe you're embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I couldn't throw the ball anymore. But but if somebody had said to me, Jenny, like that's not right. Or you know, you're at university, and generally, like you're in stress or college. Um, you know, you're under a lot of stress and, and often that's when symptoms will really erupt, right? Is, is in those times of, of like your eyes or your hands, like, you know, working fingers on a keyboard or vision, you know, for the, for the screen or the, wh- whoever you're, you're like, and somebody says to you like, well, I can only see a portion out of my eye. Like it's really weird. And I'm only looking like out of this corner. Cause that's the only corner I can see. You say to your friend, you know what? You got to see in a, like an ophthalmologist, like right now, like that's, I don't want to scare you, but like, this is something you got to deal with. And really take a, st- a strong stance as to, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I want you to see somebody who is specialized in this field. Yep. And for the person themselves, what about how do we learn to advocate for ourselves with doctors to make sure that we're listened to appropriately? Well, I learned over the years that I have always walked away with my own report of every single doctor I see. I have a list of issues that I'm going to discuss with the doctor in advance. I stay completely unemotional. And uh, if I show emotion, if I, if, if I say I'm, if I'm feeling angry, I say, I'm very angry about how this went down, but I don't actually act angry. And so um, I have a list of things that, that I would then want to walk, walk away with, like a plan of attack. Okay, so if I have 15 minutes with the doctor, I'm going to say up front exactly what's going on with me right now in a synopsis, because that's what they need a synopsis. Next is this, these are things that I want addressed and how are we going to address them? And then, and then have a plan of like being able to walk away with what you want to walk away with. And if you think that you need a scan, like, like understanding medically, that's, is that's, that's been very helpful for me. So I study and read science all the time. So I know exactly what I want to walk away with when I meet a doctor. So if I feel like I need this blood test or that blood test, we will be walking away with a requisition in hand. Make no mistake. Jenny Angus does not walk away anymore with anything she like thinks she needs. So, um, 
educating yourself before you go into that doctor key. You know, I think those are all really important. So you heard it there from Jenny. Keep your records. Be sure you keep those records because don't rely on memory alone. Make lists and stick to your list when you're seeing your doctors and then understand what you want to happen next. Even when you're in that diagnosis period, you can understand what has to happen on at least from the large view of where do we go from here. So that is all great advice, Jenny. And I appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us about uh, your diagnosis and getting to this point with your MS. I know you have some really fascinating things going on with your treatment, and I would encourage everyone to check out Jenny's writings at her blog and follow along as she undergoes um, her stem cell treatment. And Jenny, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your diagnosis with us. And for everyone listening, be sure to subscribe to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast for all of our coming episodes. Well, thank you so much for having me, Laura, and I really hope that it's helpful for other people. 